0: Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age podcast. Uh, This is your host, C. Travis Webb, editor of the American Age. And I am speaking to you from unbelievably hot Southern California. I mean, it's like really hot. It was in the 90s a couple of days ago, uh, and it's stayed consistently warm, and the whole state's on fire. Um, So anyway... Hi, this is Stephen G.
1: Fullwood. I'm the co-founder of the Nomadic Archivist Project, and I <laughs> just came back from Miami yesterday, where it was 88 degrees, and I'm in Harlem, and it is dreary outside, rainy, overcast. I really generally love these days, and I don't not I don't not not love it now. But it's just an interesting sort of juxtaposition of um, temperatures and energies, and so I'm just trying to find my footing here.
2: Mm. And I'm Seth Rodney. I'm a senior editor at the Hyperallergic blog slash magazine and a recent author of a book published by Routledge Press. The book is entitled um, The Personalization of the Museum Visit. And I was just in Mississippi uh, from, I think it was, yes, Wednesday through Friday, and it was also really warm there. It's more seasonable than I think what you both experience. But it was, uh, it was a transition coming back here because Mississippi is really flat. At least Jackson is really flat and open. Mm-hmm. And it's really sparsely populated, at least in the downtown. Okay. So it, it, it always feels like when I fly back to New York from, that place like I'm coming back into sort of like um I'm flying back into the scene of uh Blade Runner. <laughs> uh,
0: okay. You know what it is yeah. I was I was literally I was about to interject and say Blade Runner before you when yeah. you Because
2: yeah.
0: that is that's my exact feeling as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh yeah. So uh This is to remind uh, our listeners that we practice a form of what we like to call intellectual intimacy, uh, which is giving each other the space and time to figure out things out loud and together. Uh, And a brief announcement that uh, our contributor, Sarah Bond, won't won't be with us uh, today or uh, in the future. So just uh, a number of issues keep her from joining us regularly. So uh, we definitely wish her well. And Sarah, we hardly knew ye, so hopefully things are are well with her and Mm. and, um, her project. Projects continue. She does a lot of good work. So yes, she does. Um, and we're this is our wrap up episode of the sixteen nineteen project. Um, and uh, so, Stephen, Seth, uh, I mean, Seth, you were just saying right before we were getting on that it was just a uh, heavy lifting.
1: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. It was, it was. And what it did was going through this project. And I'm glad that we decided to do this because it gave me the opportunity to read everything in the 1619 New York Times magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, but ruminating on it made me think of something I had written. Uh, I'm going to actually check the date now on my phone. Uh, I, I'd written this. Oh, yes. July. Oh, July of last year was when it was published. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'd written a piece that has to do with uh, the Center for Art and Public Exchange Initiative at the Mississippi Museum of Art, talking about how its CAPE project, CAPE for short, Mm -hmm. was moving towards centering the museum on on issues of social equity and social justice. And CAPE Mm -hmm. initiative specifically allocated funds for acquiring work, and uh, 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 creating public programs Mm -hmm. that would enable the museum to reach those goals. I'd written about this project, the Cape Project, in the context of visiting the Mississippi Civil Rights Museum, which Mm -hmm. I described to people as a harrowing experience, and it was. Mm -hmm. And I want to just read what I'd written then, which is what I... Was forced to conclude having visited the museum and walk, um, having walked there from the from um, the Mississippi Museum of Art um, in in, 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 uh, in the middle of the day in Jackson, Mississippi, where apparently no one walks. It was incredibly no. mm-hmm. desolate, uh, mm. strange, uh, fae experience. But this is what I I, 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 I wrote. Uh, This is one of the uh, paragraphs from what I wrote. I did return. I spent two hours more reading in awe and dismay about a concerted campaign undertaken by the majority of the white population that used every possible tool of social and governmental power to keep black people from the freedoms and rights ostensibly held out to them by the Constitution. Whites systematically used taxes, education policy, housing policy, voter registration, district gerrymandering, boycotts, public transportation, the police force, all the levers of the jury jurisprudential complex to essentially tell blacks, stay in your place, the best of you will never be equal to the least of us. More than that, the actions of the Ku Klux Klan and white citizen councils, which included car bombings, church burnings, and targeted assassinations, added teeth to this warning. They were saying, if you do not stay in your place, we will maim and kill you. Mm -hmm. And there's a way in which the 1619 Project takes that encapsulation Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and stretches it out across both across uh, uh, the span of history, to say, here is how it happens systematically, but also stretches it out thematically, right? So it stretches it through, the, um, through these, um, these cultural and social mm-hmm. prisms. So through violence, through capitalism, how it, and how it relates to uh, slavery, Wall Street, acquiring wealth without work. Healthcare, urban planning, regional politics, music, food, the criminal justice system. So basically, the 1619 Project tells me that the story of Mississippi, civil rights movement in the South and, 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 and from the 50s through the 70s, really is at the heart of everything that is the United States of America. That, like, that story is the American story that is the fundamental one that's my my thoughts on the the project
0: hmm i have a response but i'd like if i'd like maybe to give steven space to respond
1: no go right and respond to it i'm actually writing something up right now
0: so i'm with you all the way to the end and probably even at the end i do agree i mean we've talked about this many 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 times that that defining whiteness in America has been uh, an exercise executed with blood, meaning that like we've defined whiteness with with bloody lines it continues and continues to be. And, and, and so, okay, so that's mm-hmm. that's where I, that's where I, and I can tell Stephen was intentionally provoking uh, in in saying that. So i don't think I think if that 's how we feel, then we should shut down the podcast and go home i think if if we mm. feel like actually that that there has not been any movement ah and that and that no no but mm-hmm. but when you say, when you say something like and continues to be so forcefully without any qualification or context, mm-hmm. if we do not offer. If we don't offer context for all of the variety of kids that got on those buses mm-hmm. and rode through the South and got their teeth knocked in and mm-hmm. to, actually, to actually bring about real, substantive, actual change to a country whose history, as every country's history is, bloody and terrible and awful. Mm-hmm full stop no country is accepted from that not one no people no tribe no place no moment in time Mm -hmm. is accepted from boundaries being drawn with violence Mm -hmm. so so and we are absolutely a part of that and i would reject that and i would look for a way forward but if if we say this is our history Mm -hmm. period what are we doing
1: like what? What are do we doing? I think that so it's not an either or for me, Travis. It's a it's a declaration of what's continues to happen. It doesn't obviously it doesn't um, wipe it doesn't wipe out what people continue to do. Absolutely, this podcast is a part of that 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 gesture, right? So when I'm watching, I can you can use Trump as an example of the ways in which people support Trump and how they. Continue to define whiteness as pure, um, the rise in the the right, the visual rise in the right because of the internet, because we're seeing it more and people making themselves more, vo- more um, vocal with it. I know that there is progression because I'm not enslaved. So I'd look at it similar in a way that Baldwin looks at it. I think that we need to tell the truth, shame the devil. We continue to march on because I don't really think that we have any other choice. We want to live. Everybody wants to live. We just have to work our ways through these terrible ideas of what humans are, <laughs> what we've chosen to be. So I don't think that things are aren't hopeless. Aren't those
0: no, no, no. ideas? I'm well, I don't think that
1: those. If I say that white, certain white people, I'll give you that, certain white folks continue to invest in whiteness. Because there's only Instead one, because, of black well, folks. listen, I'm not black finished. Black folks invest too. It. I'm not finished, but I think it's a different thing, though. And I've always thought it was a different thing. And I think it's this. I wouldn't be black if you weren't white.
0: Right? That's We've correct. talked about that.
1: Yeah. And I also think... And, vi-
0: and vice versa.
1: I... <laughs> what I was going to say was, whiteness wouldn't bother me so much if it weren't so imposing. I don't think I'm imposing blackness on anyone. I don't. Yeah, a personal thing. And also feel like I'm de- there's a declaration in which, I'll bring it back to 1619, I was thinking about how 1619 could be a really wonderful project, added to a bunch of other projects, right, around teaching people these things. But how do we get it to people who really need to hear this kind of stuff,
0: right? You don't, you don't feel like whiteness is imposed on me? Cause I fucking do. Oh
1: no, no, I didn't say that. I was talking about me. I said I was imposing blackness on I, I, you.
0: But and but but when you say it in that way, to give it a special category. Oh, I can. I kind of. It's like what you as mean. if okay. to. It's 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 as if. Oh no, I think to take. It's as if to take a burden onto oneself mm-hmm. that is unique, and and I actually think that the burden of whiteness is borne by the entire fucking country. I don't care what color or gender you are.
1: I agree with that. No, don't. I, I agree with that. I completely agree with that because it's suffocating. I do too. Because I can't wait to talk about gender as it relates to mm-hmm. race, right? I can't wait. <laughs> because, because mm. cause,
0: cause, That's coming up, by the
2: way, cause, everyone. Because I think that the, largely
1: the, if we take it through our podcast, we're talking about a freedom project here, right? This idea of trying mm. to understand these things that stop us from mm-hmm. being our full selves, right? Mm. That stop people yeah, from talking well to each other. I, I agree. Um, From really embracing and being large. I think with 1619, I was like, I just want to go out and talk with people all the time. I could take it economically. We could take it um, from the plantation. We can talk about all these things. How, How do people become interested in something they feel is going to flip or twist or change or fundamentally really move them from one mindset to another around this is America. This is the actual America. We can do so much better because we <laughs> – the the Freedom Project is really rooted in the slavery experience, right? There's a gentleman who um, gave the Schomburg – his name is Sid Lapidus. He gave um, a series of books, rare books – um, and a series of um, manuscripts to the Schomburg, And there's this, there this thing called the S- Lit- Sid Lapidus Slavery Center. Well, initially, he told me personally, because I actually worked with that collection, that his idea was that he was interested in freedom as an idea mm-hmm. and went to Thomas Paine, but found mm-hmm. that the slavery project was a much more robust and a much more um, engaged experience. Um, when dealing with this notion of freedom, and so that that begat his collection. He's got collections at Princeton, Schomburg, and other places as well. So we, th- mm-hmm. I love this idea of trying to work through these these really difficult concepts that that we've sometimes lazily relied upon for identity. Mm-hmm. Do you know? So, but yeah, I do think white is an imposition. I think black can be in imposition position too if it doesn't allow you freedom. So I'm not really like so wedded to a um, An artificial sensibility around blackness, either. Do you know?
2: Yeah, I get that. I get that. So, 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 I want to. Uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt, Stephen, no but worse. I want to mm-hmm. just try to make sense of what we've just done. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what I was, I what I said was, I proposed that the sixteen nineteen project is really to sort of look back over our, our collective shoulders at how this the original sin mm-hmm. of slavery of of mm-hmm. of treating. Black bodies as as if are property mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. has sort of worked its way through all levels of uh, mm. culture and societal structure in the United mm-hmm. States of america and and what mm. and Travis has said basically agrees with that, but what he's saying is, I think what you're saying, Travis, is that you can't leave there are ellipses after that. you can't leave out the and. What we've done since then, right. some of us, right. is, mm-hmm. pr- exactly is, is, is in a very yeah. principled and energetic and forthright way, right, mm-hmm. try to come to terms with that awful history and that mm-hmm. premise mm-hmm. to this to this nation. And actually, the 1619 project, I think, in that vein, Travis, absolutely, is evidence of us trying mm. to do that work absolutely collectively. Absolutely. And and this podcast is also evidence of us in in serious good faith coming together yeah, and absolutely. trying to do absolutely. that work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I'm absolutely. so I'm with you on that. You're right. Like I, I left out the ellipses. Like I, I I just wanted to sort of get a <laughs> sense of 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 what this had done for me. Um mm-hmm. I, I and, and to that end, I just just I I think it might be useful um to just ask each of you is there a particular essay or a particular passage that really struck with you throughout this thing? Can
0: before mm. we answer that, can I succinctly respond to actually what you said? Yeah, mm-hmm. the ellipses uh, is exactly right. Mm. The reason I think I probably jump in with that stuff as forcefully as I do mm. is because I detect in myself mm-hmm. and have throughout mm. my life, and also detect in others. There is a deep pleasure in clearly demarcating a moral wrong and feeling like you stand on the other side. Oh, no. Ah, right. Well said. That's right. And, well said. and yes, well it, said. it's an actual mm-hmm. well said. feeling of pleasure. Mm-hmm. And I am not immune to that feeling of pleasure.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And that pleasure seems to be the default pleasure. In 2019, Agreed. for dealing mm. with these issues. Yeah, um, and 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 I'm enough of a stoic to be suspicious of our pleasures, and mm. I think that there's that there's an indulgence in it that mm-hmm. that I would try to reject. I I, yeah, I, I agree that's with that, good.
1: and I feel that yeah. very strongly personally. And also, in mm-hmm. addition to that, I also feel like that feels like a first step. It's almost like you realize that something's the the matter, right? Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and then hopefully you don't get stuck there. You actually move mm-hmm. and you educate and you think more, and you actually
0: mm-hmm.
1: don't turn yourself into the point of reference. You don't you decenter yourself in that argument, and maybe mm-hmm. you can see more of what's in the room. Do mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's mm-hmm. yeah. that's largely that's a really lovely thing to say because it it allows you space to be wrong. It allows you space to grow, and it also allows you the space to really think about how you think right because if you're Mm. always innocent this is the innocence project that we were talking about earlier if you're constantly Mm. thinking that you're the one who's just like things are happening upon you but that you don't enact these things Mm. on others you know whether directly Mm. or indirectly that that's Mm. that's why i think we have a bunch of people who feel or don't they they feel more than think about how they're in the world
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. do you know yeah yeah absolutely which
1: is you know feeling is that's what your emotions are for and Absolutely. sometimes your feelings are—they're um, not the—they the, shouldn't be the last place you land when it comes right. to justice, not just for you but for other people.
0: Right. Um, so anyway, so to return to Steph's question, which I think is a really good one, um, that I'll—I'll—I'll I'll respond. Oh. Uh, the The essay that really got me, and I, I'm one of you probably uh, would will be a little faster with the author's name was the one that we talked about last week on the spirometer. And uh, the oh, I, I just I mean mm-hmm. the I, I mean I I don't I don't know if we got into it in the podcast, but I spent hours looking at because of again because I I felt like no come on like the, the scientific community can't be like I have that optimist view of that stuff, mm. and man was I just flat wrong, just flat wrong. There is, I mean, I guess on the other side of it, there are there are scientists of goodwill. There are projects that are saying like, we need to stop oh, this. Yes. This is ridiculous. Yeah, probably, this, mm-hmm. You know, all we're doing is reinforcing racial biases mm-hmm. and giving them scientific underpinnings and all the rest of this. So that was the one that was most impactful for me.
2: Was that the one that was about, written by Linda Villarosa, Via about um, myths of physical differences used to justify slavery?
0: I thought it was another yeah, I think it was is it is No,
2: I think that was an is that it I thought, I thought it was another woman another,
1: on. another one on health as well with this woman talking it, it, about it, how her son that she feel for her son. I think yeah Linda Villarosa oh. yeah, Linda Villarosa was a lot of the experiments on black bodies and the um right. and the the um not recognizing black pain for what it is, right
2: right, that's right, that's correct, mm-hmm. right so which one was that? I'm, I'm just I want to find out because now I'm intrigued. And I think we ought to tell our listeners exactly. Lundy
0: Braun, is that the one? It could be. No, I think actually maybe Sep is right. I think it might be the Villarosa one. I
1: thought there were two on One Health. Let me see.
2: There, the... No, oh, wait. No, it was... Wait, was it the one... Oh, no, it was the one where the woman was with her two-year-old and he was trying to put something in her mouth? In his mouth?
0: No. So there, that there was that one. But no, Seth, your initial intuition is correct. It was oh. uh, the Villarosa essay. I actually okay. found it. It, it uh, okay. even Cartwright's footprint remains embedded in current medical practice. Right. And that's right. The, right. The, right. The, right. the statue. Right. Uh, pulling down his statue. So anyway, that's what it was. Cool. Um, yeah. Thank you for that.
2: Right. So she, that's the essay where she says. Uh, towards the end, rather than conceptualizing race as a risk factor that predicts disease or yeah. disability because of a fixed fix susceptibility conceived on shaky ground centuries ago, we would do better to understand race as a proxy for bias, disadvantage, and ill treatment. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It's a shorthand. It's a shorthand for, you know, all kinds of dumb shit. Right.
2: Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Goodness gracious. How about God. you, Stephen. So
0: to respond to Travis
1: very quickly when he said, it's still an operation, I can't believe it. My smugness was like,
0: yeah. (laughs) Yeah, motherfucker, yeah. Yeah. Where have you been?
1: Right, Right. but it's a smugness that I don't take a lot of, to to your point around pleasure and taking a position. Mm. It doesn't bring me pleasure Mm. now. And I'm glad that you brought right. that up. It's like, no, it's fucking sad that it is. It's just that I've been, mm, yeah. I have been—I feel like I've been worn down by that kind of, oh, my God, are we still being racist kind of argument? You know, I'm, mm, yeah. I'm, it wears yeah. on my soul. Um, so yeah. that said, I think the piece, the um, cultural appropriation piece was my favorite had humor. It went to like, I think Wesley Morris went all around the world around this piece, mm-hmm. you know, and it was a lot mm-hmm. of fun. Um, and mm-hmm. it made me think I was I was taking some of his arguments to some of my friends who were like either shaking their heads vigorously, no, I don't believe that, or that's interesting. And, and the ones mm-hmm. who, who were interested in it, we could talk more about, you know, Tina Marie knowing her way around a, pa- a pack of Newports because it's so <laughs> racially charged. And that, as I said on the podcast, no one's taking Tina, Mo- Tina Marie away from me. <laughs> And I can well, it, and it led to me writing some pieces a piece about her that I'm still drafting around how I heard her when I was a kid, and the language around Tina, which was like she sound black, oh, you know she's a black girl she must be she must be black, you know that kind of thing, and the mm-hmm. fidelity not the fidelity, but the um the seriousness in which people said some of these things, and then the sort of like joking you know rib rib um elbow to the rib kind of thing, but the music was there, she sang well, and that's really. That's largely what it was, you know, mm. in my memory anyway. Mm. So I'm still, like, porping my memory for it. But that was one of my favorites. I thought he did a good job of thinking about cultural appropriation. And I saw Little Richard last night talking about the fact that when Pat Boone did Tutti Frutti or Rudy, he did much better at it, you know. But that mm. when someone says Elvis is the king of, king of rock and roll, they say the, the self-proclaimed king of rock and roll for Little Richard, Right, but little Richard right. came first, mm. so like, mm-hmm. so right, it right. it still resonates in my mind. Just this idea of cultural appropriation from somebody else's point uh, of view. Mm-hmm.
2: Right, I I think that my the one well, there, there were several that stuck with me, but one that I I. I I'm still mulling over because I don't know what to do with this idea. Mm-hmm. And that's actually from I think it's from the same essay by Wesley Morris the one about um music and appropriation. Mm-hmm. Is he has a he has a passage here mm-hmm. which reads um but something about that desire warps and perverts its source, lampoons and cheapens and cheapens it even in adoration. Um I I think mm. he's talking about the proliferation of black music. Um, I'm, I'm trying to, I, I want to make sure I, because I'm a stickler for this, mm. that I understand what the it is when he says it also confirm it. Oh, but something about that, or what that desire is. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. But mm. put that aside for a moment. He says in the next sentence, loving black culture has never meant loving black, black people. people too." Black people, yes. Mm-hmm. yeah and i wonder about that because honestly guys i'm gonna just go out on a limb here and say i don't know that i love black people like i mean mm-hmm. go right ahead i really i don't i don't know that i love a any group like it's not like mm-hmm. oh i'm saving up my love for you know jamaicans only no no no, no. i don't know i love <laughs> right, right. i don't know that i love a group uh uh-huh. anywhere on the planet like and I think I can say, I think I can say I love black culture. I think that's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are definitely elements of quote-unquote black culture because, you know, drawing a line around what black culture is and ain't is is a whole other series of podcasts. Mm-hmm. But I think I can say that. But I don't know that I can I can say I love black people. And I'm black, y'all. So, mm. But
1: also I think about what is the point of reference here? I mean, like thinking of... That's a really lovely thing to say to put out in the universe, and mm. I would love for you to do that, that somewhere. That I don't
0: love black people. No, no, no. no listen let that, me give it. No no, <laughs> no, no. Let me. Let like me that that would be a very dangerous like thing for me no, to put out in the universe. <laughs> no, put this,
1: put this here. But this is really powerful because say we're in a black church, and he said that right. Mm-hmm, <laughs> environment mm-hmm. means everything. In, mm. <laughs> environment means everything, but also you you love your mama, right? And Mm -hmm, you might mm -hmm, love your dad, mm -hmm, you know, with mm -hmm, all that complicated mm -hmm, stuff. But to say mm -hmm. I love black people, like, so this is something that Toni Morrison and a few other people said during the 60s and 70s. And some people said Mm -hmm. a little bit further down the road because of space, you know, in terms of time. Mm -hmm. That the whole idea of um, Black is Beautiful felt like something you wanted versus something you actually did. And that Mm -hmm. she never believed it. And she felt like it was, Mm -hmm. um, she didn't want people to be fooled by the real work that needed to be done. You know, mm-hmm. but that if a slogan could get you there, maybe. But was it mm-hmm. important for you to love our black people? How, you know, mm-hmm. these weren't the questions. The questions was to sort of just rile people and get them. And I love the sixties and seventies. I'm a, a child of that. But I got mm-hmm. what she what she meant.
2: Mm-hmm. And if
1: you can't say what you just said. In public, anywhere, (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. then we don't
1: we don't have a free society. We don't have a lot of things that allow you to be this free thing that you know. A lot of people say your ancestors were looking for for you to be right or wanting Mm -hmm. to be. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I think it's very provocative to say that. Absolutely, I hear that. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I mean, I you know, I I'm with Seth on not loving groups mm-hmm. you know I just I, I I don't you know I mean I, I suppose if anything I love groups in which there's enfranchisement and meaning that you can sort of elect yourself to a group you know I mean so that yeah. mm-hmm. people you know like people that choose to be intellectuals people cho- that choose to be curious people mm-hmm. that choose to be artistic or choose to be generous you know mm-hmm. I mean, th- things like you know if we, can, if we can draw these sort of ethereal lines around people I, I, I'm with that I, I am definitely not, in any way, shape, or form, a defender of group dynamics or group think
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, or group identification uh, mm-hmm. that is imposed on you by birth mm-hmm. or history.
2: But but y'all know this, right? That that what happens is when someone says something like that in public mm-hmm. that a whole bunch of black people will pile on that person. Yeah, maybe even some wi- yeah, well, that, white people one, will pile on you. <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 They say that's You're the problem with you. That's, that's, <laughs> you know. that's right. That's right. That's, that's I love my people. I don't know what's wrong with you. Um, like, uh-huh. You know, that kind of thing. And I'm like, you know, okay, you know, guilty as charged. But, um, um, Lawrence Harding, uh, a good friend of mine who you, 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 you both know, mm-hmm. um, uh, said said it one day in this way. He said, "I'm not a people person. I'm a person person, and mm-hmm. I feel that about myself that mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I, I I'm equal to the task of treating human beings as if they are full human beings. That is what I I believe in, and, and I wake up every day ready to do pretty much. Mm-hmm. But I'm also not." willing, but I'm also at the same time not willing to lie to myself and say that I love these human beings that I encounter, um, because they don't, because for me that's really earned and that's earned over time that's
1: so interesting, Mm -hmm. we should definitely have a a podcast about love then we've done it before, Mm -hmm. but something around this idea Mm -hmm. of loving people, because I do love people and I do love black people, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean that Mm -hmm. I don't love white people, it's just that Mm -hmm. I think of systems, and I think of the I think of when I think, say I love black people, I might be talking about something I've traced from diasporically through, mm. like a sucking of teeth. The sucking of teeth in mm. the U.S. means something than it does in the different parts of the Caribbean, mm-hmm. than it does in certain parts mm. of Africa, mm-hmm. than it does in diasporic folks and, and France. But there is that through line that I really enjoy. So there's mm. so there are different kinds of things, but you're not taking anything away from me that culturally or that my where my so. I was going to say so-called white friends. My white friends and other people. <laughs> <laughs> they, wait, what? <laughs> That's what you're trying to so-called. Are they um, so-called friends or so-called white? <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> if they <rest, laughs> I feel like sometimes we we lose things because we're imposed by language in brackets, but nah. I'm going to love who I want to love. And if I say I want to love mm-hmm. black people and I love black people, I do. I, do you know what I mean? Like, so mm-hmm. I'm not, I really, I feel like. We should have this conversation out a little bit more because it is quite beautiful to kind of Mm -hmm. be able to say what you want to say without feeling Mm -hmm. that someone's going to pile on you or exclude you from a particular Mm -hmm. kind of group. Um, That's boring. I've been excluded from all groups, largely Mm -hmm. to some degree. So, I mean, it started out with a boys club, then it was the homo club because I wasn't, hey, girl, or whatever. (laughs) And then there's certain kinds of blacks that, you know, may not find me all that interesting. There's certain kinds of whites. I'd, I'm, I'm yeah. going to be me. I'm going to show up to be me. And that's my mm-hmm. job. My job is to mm-hmm. be a human. My job is not mm-hmm. to um, to be subject to anyone else's politics or social um, mm-hmm. stuff or mm-hmm. their things. Mm-hmm. So that's my mm-hmm. job. Yeah. And it's a hard job, but I think it's ultimately the best job, actually.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm up for yes, having a conversation said. about love because I think it's actually... Uh, um, I think it's a, a fairly capacious topic oh, around mm-hmm. this issue because... Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I, I sort of, I fall in tension between the two of you. I, My inclination is I do love people. I actually mm-hmm. just really like humans uh, and think we're pretty cool. Um, I think so too, yeah. Uh, uh, and at the same time, uh, really don't trust large groups of people. Mm. I mean, I just, yeah. I think, I, I just, I really do think, I think as soon as we offload our thinking, as soon as we distribute it amongst groups, mm-hmm. um, we become uh, profoundly stupid.
2: Mm. Um,
1: well, we become fearful. Yeah. We become fearful that someone's going to come up in our house and rob us, or throw a rock through our window. Mm. I mean,
2: <laughs> the, yeah, the,
1: I agree with you. I agree with you to some degree. Yeah. I feel like that the the, the the love thing is might be the only thing animating the kind of work that I do, or the work that I respect yeah. other yeah. people doing. I get it. that. Everything else is. Um, just a oh, I'm gonna die one day and I gotta have everything and I'm like <laughs> I'm the, I woke up this morning going is death <laughs> is that the apocalypse for a lot of people because <laughs> you're getting older and you lose control and yeah. you ah, And I am not go wow I'm just gonna be a happy ass old man I am gonna be one happy ass old man because I'm not taking that shit with me fuck
2: it so oh, so God. so i I want to end my uh contribution to this conversation on this note <laughs> um, I'm reminded of a um of a friend I had in college, an undergrad, Carl. I think his name was Parker. Mm-hmm. He was, and probably still is, a poet, a, a, a funny but troubled young man at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he and I would talk a lot about dating and how we look for, uh, what we look for in an in, a, in The right, what we look for in a partner that we assume is the right fit for us, and he said that he would say to women uh, uh, that he uh, that he'd meet. Um, in dating situations, you, you know you're gonna die one day, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I kind of, I kind of admire that. I'm yeah. like, yeah, I, I kind of really, wish I, think, I had. I think I like your right. friend Carl. <laughs> <Right>. Carl <laughs> I kinda wish table. I had put it on the table. Put it on, the table. Put it on the table, like, you know, you you know, you're gonna die, right? So, what are you, what are you doing about that? Like, I, and the <laughs> 1619 project, in some ways, is doing that. Like, he's saying to to all his readers, you you know, you're gonna die, right? Like, what are you yeah. doing about that? You know that this mm-hmm. is the original sin of the U.S., right? What are you doing about that? Uh, yeah. And that's, that's the kind of clarity I, I, I want to live in.
0: I'm sure Carl got laid a lot. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You're right. I'm going to die, so I should have sex with you. Um. Boo! (laughs) (laughs) Boo! So, all right, my friends, uh, thank you as always for the conversation, and uh, we'll be speaking next week about humor. So it's a good segue. Uh, Yeah. All right. Take care. Cheers. Bye.